0: Now, um, last week gave me an assignment if you if you took me up on it reading the whole book of Romans or the whole book of 1 Corinthians in, in one setting. Um, any comments, questions about that? James, go ahead. As I mentioned to you earlier and you said bring it up in class, Romans particularly is you can't sit down and just read, especially if you have like the Lutheran study bible, it's always going <laughs> like to the notes. Yeah. It's Romans is, yeah, um, Romans is a, a very, very difficult uh, book. I, I was, um, um, it has a two-volume commentary in the Concordia commentary series, a guy named Mike Middendorf, and he was at the seminary with me, like a year behind me, and uh, I was watching on YouTube uh, him do a lecture at a congregation about Romans, it was, uh, um, it was um, and, and this area of Zoom, so so he was doing that. So I think it'd be a Zoom, um, and and he uh, he was kind of tongue in cheek. He he uh, when he was thinking about graduate work, I uh, talked to a, a Dr. Brighton, the seminary, who's who's uh, one of our professors there, and and Brighton said the two areas of, of Romans that are most difficult are Romans. Uh, well, first of all, um, he he was thinking, why did I choose Romans for a dissertation? But then uh, and so because it's so big, and then uh, then he chose the two areas are romans 7 and 9 through 11 that become difficult for the christian and so he chose romans 7 because at least he has a sense to do one chapter as opposed to three so uh, uh romans is difficult okay romans is uh, is very expansive um and so one of the things we're going to do today is, is maybe look at one one thing i think was helpful about romans so let me just turn to the, turn to the book of romans i'll, I'll show you a couple things that are helpful in your reading of of, of romans um Romans is big, and and so to an extent, um, what I think I was trying to do is just just read it through, just like a, a novel. You aren't going to get at, but then as you over time, you keep on reading it, it becomes much more more clear. My own um, experience with Romans, um, of course, I've known Romans uh, all my life, and I, if you look at my old old Bible, you'll see. It looks like a rainbow in Romans because I, I color, you know, I highlight verses left and right, and almost almost every verse ends up being highlighted, at least in the first part, right? First part of Romans, because that's got all these passages, you know, by grace, uh, um, where, we, where we maintain that a man is justified by, by grace, uh, by faith, apart from works of the law, Romans chapter 3, we have, uh, you know, for the wages, Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Um, uh, Shall we sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who, who uh, died to sin yet live in it? Um, don't you know that every, all of you have been baptized, been Christ, baptized into Christ and baptized into his death, Romans 6. Um, Romans 8, from convincing neither death nor life, you know, goes on, so, nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's got all these great passages. Then you get this, uh, boom, 9 through 11. Paul's dealing with the issue of of being a Jew, but the Jews don't believe in Christ. And and what does that mean in terms of the gospel? And then it kind of halts you. Then it comes on chapter 12, uh, presents your bodies as a living sacrifice. and and, and And it's hard to deal with that. It's hard to deal with that. So, so I, I was uh, um, um, I actually took a class in Psalms in, in the seminary and graduate school and did some work in the in the, Paul's use of the Psalms in the book of Romans and I came across uh, Romans chapter 15, which is towards the end of the book. Um, okay, so so you have in Romans chapter one this uh, this marvelous passage uh um, Romans chapter one is a passage very key to, uh, to Martin Luther. Obviously, uh, it's the key passage, maybe all of scripture in his life, um, where he talks about, for, um, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so for Luther to now understand that the righteous shall live by faith, his faith alone, was so key for Martin Luther. Um, and so you, you have that in Romans chapter 1, but you, you kind of lose that, right? So so what I would maintain is that, um, um, is that, is that you continue on with this theme that, that Christ is salvation for both Jew and Greek. Through it, but it's always about Jesus Christ, so that way we get to chapter 15. Um Verse eight, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that is the Jews, to become God's, to show God's truth in us in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it's written. Therefore, I'll praise you among the Gentiles I'll sing to your name. And again, rejoice, the Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. In other words, the hope is always in Jesus Christ, in him alone. And you can't see the world without Jesus Christ. And so this kind of holds the whole, whole book together. The 9th or eleven becomes, you know, showing that that um, that Christ is Israel's hope, and there's but now it's our hope. And if Israel is to be saved, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. And um and there's other issues, but okay. But this is not today. is not a Bible class on and Romans, but rather the Apostle Paul. So thank you very much. Any other questions about reading Paul's epistles, or some questions that you have about some passages in Paul? Today's it. We're going to cover Paul today. Do general epistles, Revelation next week, and then I'm out of here. Okay. I'm going to go uh, teach teach the youth about Jesus, and so we're going to have and Pastor Clemmer will be back in, in here. Okay, so, um, so how do you approach the Pauline epistles? And um, they're big. Paul writes 13 books. Okay, so, so um, the books that we have from Paul are from Romans to Philemon. Um, the order of them is generally by size. Okay, and then that we know from last week, Paul's a Pharisee. Uh, Paul is essentially a Harvard graduate of his time. But if you can imagine, uh, a Harvard graduate, you know, which is a pretty liberal university now, uh, but Paul becomes this arch-conservative Pharisee. And so the Pharisees were not all of one ilk, okay? So, so in fact, as we discussed earlier, Judaism was a multifaceted thing at the time of Christ. And the outside world was multifaceted. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ came to a lot of different people, but it's, a, but it's one Jesus, and then all need to hear about Jesus just like our our day-to-day now Paul was uh as Saul the as Saul the Pharisee was a persecutor of the church we we're introduced to him um at the martyrdom of Stephen he Jesus himself selects Paul to be an apostle and this is very important so Paul then is Christ's apostle he's not the apostle you know and underneath Peter and, and James and John but he is an equal to them. It is very apparent in the book of Acts, as we discussed last week. Um, He preached to uh, Jew and Gentile alike of salvation in Jesus Christ, but but Paul was extremely well-educated, so he could tailor his message for his audience. Paul lives in two worlds, two worlds. This is the world of the Jewish world and also the Gentile world, and preached Christ crucified and risen to each. And the two worlds are very, very interesting, because sometimes uh, what, what had helped Judaism to survive is being isolated and, and there's this constant tension of, of, of having to deal with the outside world but yet remaining to be Jewish, okay? And um, our, our forefathers had this problem, we came to the United States, how do you be a Lutheran church in the United States of America, right? You know, I mean, this is it's a hard, hard thing. And, and to an extent, we were able to keep a lot of our Lutheran identity um, because for the first you know, 70 years, or no, more than that, 80 years of the Missouri Senate, we spoke German, right? And there, there's a, there was even a, but there was a district of the Missouri Senate called the English District, where you have English-speaking congregations, and then of course you have a Slovak district also of the Slovaks, who also uh, was, had Slovak services, right? So, um, so but, but after World War One, we had to start, we, we had to we became an English-speaking denomination, and that created all sorts of difficulties, because now we're much more open to Americanism and the outside world. So how do you maintain your Christian identity, and especially for us, our Lutheran identity, and, and of gospel, of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and being fully exposed to the outside world? So, so Paul's letters are very, very helpful in dealing with that. Okay, so Paul generally writes to churches. Um. In our age, we have the God of the self, and so oftentimes this is this is a, a perversion of this of, of of a proper reading scripture. Is that in English you have this unique thing of you singular, you plural is the same word, right? Uh, I, I know of no other language that does this. Does anyone know another no language is you singular and you plural the same? You know now now German you have a, a you know a formal as as well as a, um, uh, other languages other languages i don't know the spanish have a formal the formal you and the singular the and, and the plural U is, is the same so so but it but there's a difference between a formal register, well, a yeah yeah so so but but generally speaking in english you got you so people now we, we now this marvelous thing called printed bibles that can buy in fact you can buy a ton of them how many of you own more than one bible and then, of course, you got it on your cell phone, so now you sit at home with a cup of coffee and you read, and you read or hear you, and you can think about me personally. Okay? And this is a huge problem. Yes, go ahead. So then, why don't our Bible translators <laughs> put in parentheses PL to at least give us some sort of indicator Yeah, yeah. I, I think the best indicator is just assume it's plural. I mean, no, I mean, and Paul's epistles, right? Until and, and you get to Titus and Timothy and, and Philemon, it's going to be plural, right? You know, it's, it's always, it's, it's pl- you plural, you plural. It's you all through the church. And you're going back to the introduction of all Paul's letters, yeah. But that's a, it's a huge problem, because, because it's always about us and Jesus. And, and one of the things, I, I, it's a silly thing you can do in English, you can't do this in other languages. There's no me and Jesus, it's only us, right? It's only me and Jesus. It's, it's always us. And so to think about the body of Christ, and of course, COVID has acerbated this because now, you know, well, I, I have to, once in a while, I, I, um, I, if given the person, I sometimes am now correcting people say, well, I, uh, they say, I attended church online. Say, if, I, if I know the person, I say, no, 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 wait a wait, wait, You had a nice devotion by watching us online, but you didn't attend church. Yeah, That's not attending church. You know, attending churches be together, and so so this is so COVID has acerbated this individuality of me and Jesus. Um, so we need to be us and Jesus. Okay, so Paul writes to churches. He does write to these pastors, Timothy and Titus, and he does write to a slave owner named Philemon, and, a, and his slave is Onesimus, and asking for basically commanding uh, Onesimus to free to be freed by by Philemon. Okay. Um, now, he writes in a, in a letter style given of that age. And here's the letter style. So Paul would, um, and I take this from this, this wonderful, it's a two-volume set from CPH called the Lutheran Bible Companion. Does anyone buy this, bought this yet? It's a two-volume set, you know. And it's, the first volume is Old Testament. The second volume is New Testament. It's a wonderful companion to, to the Lutheran Study Bible. By the way, if you don't own this, buy it, you know. Uh, but, they, but CPH is very sneaky because to fit the Lutheran Study Bible, we have to buy their cover. You know, that doesn't, it doesn't fit nicely in other Bible covers. Or does it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the Lutheran Study Bible is this marvelous thing. Um, but, but here's the, the outline of Paul's letters. Typical elements. Not every one of these elements will be in every one of Paul's 13 epistles. First... Who is writing and what is his office? This is very important to understand. Paul is writing as an apostle. We typically write letters now on a friendly basis. When I write to my mother, which is very seldom, I don't know when the last time I wrote a letter to my mother, I call her, right? You know, once in a while I get my brother to bring his cell phone over there or to help her with her cell phone so we can actually FaceTime. but, but well, I, I write like little little letters, like in a card. We sent her a St. Patrick's Day card. So I write, but but I don't say um, to mom from your son, your firstborn Stephen. Okay, you know, so you know, it's, I, I don't write it that way. So it's a, but but Paul, but this apostle is huge because Paul is not writing a friendly letter. He's writing from his office. So this is official to an extent, official stationery, right? And so it's very important to understand he is speaking he's speaking god's word to them so this is very very important that's why these letters are are god's word and you see that's why he has to take out for example in in the book of first corinthians a couple of things that are of his opinion but that's the exception the rest is you're supposed to listen to me because i am an apostle of jesus christ so i'm sent from jesus to you to tell you this okay so he lists the recipients. Sometimes he has co-authors and, and some of his letters also. He's greeting with a Christian blessing. Um, um, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ is very typical. Um, usually there's a thanksgiving for the readers. I have this little note at the bottom. Um, Galatians has no thanksgiving. Paul immediately uh, goes in and just... Tears into them right off the bat. Why? Because the issue is they're losing Jesus himself. They're losing salvation itself, and they had better lesson because he does not want them to be unsaved. He wants them to remain in the Christian faith. And so, so he's got no, no, no thanksgiving. He even, you know, you got the Corinthians, you got a, I mean, everything's going wrong in the Corinthian church, and yet he has thanksgiving for them. He can find something good to say. Okay. Then there's a prayer for the readers. Then he has a. Has a the, the, the main body and then instruction and doctrine, instruction and practice. Now I'm going to amend that because this tendency is 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 to separate doctrine and practice, and that, that's, that's 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 foolishness. Foolishness. Doctrine and practice go hand in hand. We we live as we believe, and and so and so. For example, if you can think of baptism, the main baptismal text, and by the way, baptism is very prominent. In the Apostle Paul. Um, for example, um, he's, he's talking about, um, shall, we con- shall we continue sin that grace may abound in Romans chapter 6? And then he goes into baptism. So, so doctrine and practice are, are, are intimately connected um, in Paul's writings. And, and, and you cannot just neatly separate doctrine and practice, doctrine practice, and practice, and nor should we, nor should we. Um, we, we live our doctrine, and, and our practice reflects our belief. I mean, so it's, you know, they're, they're just intimately connected. Okay, so then, he, then quite often Paul is responding. Most of his letters are responses to individual situations. And this comes, sometimes is difficult because we're not given a separate history of what is the situation. Book of Colossians is dealing with some sort of Christological heresy. What exactly is the nature of that? We try to piece it together from Paul's responses to Colossians, but we have no first-hand account of, of here's what the false teachers were saying, and now we have Colossians to hear how Paul responds to that. Okay, Um, uh, the book of Ephesians appears to be uh, uh, the least directed to individual situation. However, it is directed to the Ephesians, and so and it's a little bit hard to mirror read and to figure out exactly what's going on in Ephesians. But generally speaking, there's problems of individual nature, so Paul's addressing those individual problems, and then how he addresses them become a blessing to you and me. You know, for example, in, in, uh, in Second Thessalonians, you have the problem, Jesus is going to come back soon. In Thessalonian church, they believe this. And so they quit their jobs, they quit working. Why work? Why do a whole lot? Because Jesus is coming back soon. And what is Paul's response? He who would not work would not eat, you know? So, so I, and I think we can apply to that same maxim also, how we live to continue working. And yes, Jesus is coming back. Um, it's quite often called to repentance. In other words, uh, forsake whatever is going wrong in your church. And then Paul sometimes lists his travel plans. You know, I'm planning to come to see you again, or here's where I'm planning to go to, et cetera, like, like this. Um, he quite often bring um, then the conclusion, he might bring greetings from others who know that particular church. Uh, there's a blessing upon that church, um, a, a prayer for their peace, and a request for their prayers for himself and for others. Uh, there, I might should put that maybe uh, above that, but I'm following the exact outline of the Lutheran Bible Companion. I would reversed that it closes always though, of God's grace be with you. It always ends with God's grace, always ends with God's grace. So the last note is is God's grace, but oftentimes it's it's also God's peace. Okay, okay. So this is kind of a letter form, and Paul's using a, a, a common letter form that would have been extent in the roman world so they would have known this type of letter form from official documents they would have received and 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 had and one of the blessings obviously about paul living at his time is his relative peace and quiet in the in the world that he's at okay paul if you follow paul's missionary journeys paul's missionary journeys is brings the gospel to areas underneath the Roman Empire, which means that there's relative safety and travel. Uh, these churches, there is a there is a, an ability to send send letters and and to know the communication will be um, fairly certain. And I say fairly certain because obviously, you know, there are robbers. There, are, you know, uh, there's possibly shipwrecks and stuff like this. But Paul is fairly certain that his letters are going to be go out. And, and he's addressing all these places of various areas in the Roman world. And, and the reason I bring this up is that as I was thinking about this, and uh, it's very interesting, on Pentecost, you have Jews from outside the Roman Empire coming to, and they hear the gospel, these pilgrims come from even beyond the borders. and that, 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 That's an indication in the book of Acts that the gospel is going to go beyond what is considered the civilized world of Rome, can go everywhere, even to Schumacher here in Naperville, and to you, right? And so this is these little things in in that's in the book of Book of Acts. But Paul writes to these to these uh, Christians in the Roman world of various communities, and the, the wide divergence, the nature of each community, and so and and so they have great difficulties, all of them. Okay, questions, comments about Paul's epistles? How to approach them? Yes, go ahead, Dwight. Yes. same 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 so i mean paul paul is, is sent uh you know and, and these and because he's an ambassador for jesus christ and he's also a pastor for jesus christ and so he's a an overseer of these churches and he writes and he writes that capacity um but he's also been is it very interesting he was commissioned by the church of antioch to become a missionary so he also had this specific call to go out into the mission field and of course, you have this radical shift now where he's now also an apostle to the Gentiles and what that means. And so you see this unity of Jew and Gentile quite often creeping into Paul's writings. Uh, you see this Galatians, certainly you'd see it in Romans, um, and you see uh, and nuances of it all, all over Paul's writings. Okay. Um, I am giving you a chronology of Paul's letters. You'll sometimes see different chronologies. Um, I, uh, the book of Galatians... Uh, Galatia is, 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 uh, is, um, is interesting because Galatia can refer to a, a Roman uh, government area or it can refer to a larger ethnic area. Um, and so it's, it's called the South Galatian theory or the North Galatian theory. Um, I and, and, and Dr. Dr. Das, uh, Martin Franzman, and others that I studied under, prefer South Galatia, in other words, corresponding to Paul, Paul's first missionary journey. So Paul goes out and now preach to the Gentiles, but you have the problem that, that those who think that, that yes, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, but that also means that if he's the Jewish Messiah, then these Gentiles who've now had this Jew, Jewish Messiah, they need to practice like Jews, right? be circumcised. Follow dietary laws. He, after all, is the Jewish Messiah. And so Paul's clarifying this, and he says, no, no, no. So if it's clarity of salvation by grace through faith alone, the book of Galatians corresponds well with that and the and the, and the first Jerusalem council. Okay. And so Galatians, I would place first, then first and second Thessalonians associated with the second missionary journey, um, first Corinthians and second Corinthians. By the way, if you look internally, 1st 2nd Corinthians, is an indication of four letters, not just two. I have no idea what happened to the other two, okay? Um, and, um, and so then the book of Romans, this huge, huge book. Um, Paul, is uh, after his third missionary journey, goes to Jerusalem to, as we, you see this in, in, in Acts 20 and 21... And then he goes to jerusalem and there is he is arrested and eventually you know, he goes to caesarea then he goes then he, he appeals to rome because he's a roman citizen he gets shipwrecked on malta and he eventually ends up in rome um and and there from there he writes these four epistles colossians philemon ephesians and and, and philippians um colossians and ephesians are relatively close together they're to be seen as sister epistles and uh, the same um, person is uh, the delivery person is, is the same for, um, for both uh, Colossians and, Phil, and, and, and Ephesians. Philemon is his personal letter, and then Philippians, where we had our epistle lesson today. He writes, we, 1st uh, and 2nd Timothy, but then Titus in between. We believe, um, from, from especially look at 2nd Timothy, that Paul does get out of prison, um, but then he is, re- uh, re-arrested, and then he's executed. Uh, he is beheaded for the sake of the gospel. So that's kind of what, what's going on, how you piece the letters together. Um, needless to say, I am telling you about this because I believe the Bible is the word of God, and so do you. There are others who, who, who have a con- convenient solution for, for when they don't like some of the passages of Paul. Convenient solution, Paul didn't write it. So, you know, so, so you have this, especially the pastoral epistles, um, they, they, those are under attack. Um, Paul's not, not writing that or, or other things. I mean, I, I was reading, I was reading in anticipation of the sermon today, which is on Philippians 3 and 4. I, I start this one article, and Beth Hahn could tell me how it's kind of fuming because I, I find this article and read it, then all of a sudden this guy basically says, this has to be uh, uh, by... The Pauline community because Paul couldn't have written Philippians and I'm just saying, I'm just trying to scream no you know so Paul certainly can write to the Philippians and we can write these read these letters as the words of the Apostle Paul himself but there's a spirit out there that wants to doubt God's word and so one of the ways of doing it is just to say well Paul couldn't write it and then et cetera, like this okay okay I'm gonna step down to my soapbox right now um, I think, it is a soapbox. I mean, you, it is God's Word. So, so, so we don't have to, you don't have to doubt it. So Paul wrote all of these things. So the task is, then, is fitting all these letters together. You know, this is a... Um, and you need about four lifetimes in this, right? You know, it just, it's just utterly amazing how, how much... Yes, go ahead, Dave. So aside from the, the letters that Paul identified or, or all of these, identified Paul identified himself in all of these? Yes. Paul identifies himself in each one of these, which raises the question of, of the book of Hebrews. We'll cover that one next week. So, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. The early church that we talked about earlier in the Bible class. The early church. Many people in the early church thought of Paul as the as the author of Hebrews. There's some internal evidence in the book of Hebrews where um, that Paul is not the author because it does not claim this this apostleship in terms of writing. You know, um, but but there's also an entirely different style because Hebrews is actually a uh, is quite evidently a an oral presentation, oral sermon. I, I firmly believe it's a communion sermon. Okay, that's now circulated, and you, and you append to the end of it this 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 epistle ending. But the but the first part is nothing like a regular epistles. You know, so it's, it's so it's we'll get into the Book of Hebrews next week. Ladies Life, let's i it doing the Book of Hebrews right right now, and that that's another one to sink your teeth into. Um, God's word is deep all over the place. Okay, so. Questions, comments about Pauline Epistles, what you want to know. Difficult passages you've come across from Keith. Go ahead. Paul, we believe in the moment, addressing the church in the seems to be a little bit more detailed than the church body. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, a little bit simpler than that. Romans, he is not when he writes the book of Romans. If you look at the dates of it, it's fifty six. It's before his arrest. Paul hasn't been to Rome yet, so he is not personally acquainted with that church. i.e. Uh, it's not a church that so he found it. So Paul's longer one. One of the the simple explanation is um, is that. Is that he's not yet met these, so he has to give a longer explanation to really introduce himself and and his topic because he's not not personally acquainted with his congregation. He's not the founding father of this congregation. To an extent, it is yes, because he, he is planning to visiting him. Yes, it is, and and it raises the whole question. Okay, um, yeah, the the, the introduction to, to Romans is very very intricate and very very exacting, and has actually has some. Uh, um, it's been rather controversial in church history and I don't want to go into that because that's a, it's a whole other area it's a, one of the papers I wrote as a Christology that involved the introduction to Romans 1 um, but that's a little bit beyond this Bible class so I got a favor to ask somebody uh, somebody grab another cup of coffee a little bit of cream in it for me um, yeah, yeah. So, okay Yeah. So, add a little cream to it because I'm my, I'm ancient and my stomach can't handle straight black coffee anymore. Okay, so great question. Uh, so, like, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite Pauline epistle? You got 13 to choose from. What's your favorite? What? Timothy. Which one? First Timothy. Okay, that's a good one. Anyone got another one? Galatians. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Yes 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 what <laughs> we, we, we would have a heart especially you know I am I am waiting it's gonna come soon I'm I waiting for at least a holy handshake you know it's a, it's a, I mean it's a it's a okay so so uh, um, yeah it's a, it's a uh, um, yeah I think it's an indication of a of, of, of some some cultural things, right 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 there. Hey hey, thank you very You're much, welcome. thank you very much. Okay, now okay, um, yeah, that's 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 good. Any other things about epistles? Uh, of course, of course, Martin Luther loved the Book of Galatians, and you can find in print two different commentaries by Luther on Galatians, which is very interesting because the first commentary is where he's beginning to sort out some of his thinking about justification by faith alone. But the second one of 1535 is where, obviously, he's full bore Martin Luther, you know, understanding justification by faith. So it's kind of interesting um, to, that you have those two. And, I've, and no, I've not read both of those. I haven't, I haven't read either one in, in its entirety. So um, other things, favorite epistles of, of Paul or, or something that, that, that you find comforting or maybe challenging in, the, in these 13 epistles? seeing no hands i'm going to talk i'm going to go through some of the epistles of, of paul kind of give you a, a little thumbnail of, of each of these epistles okay so so i already talked about the book of romans this very very extensive uh, uh, epistle um now, now this is a hugely important epistle obviously for martin luther it's the one that that if you if you read luther's account of his tower experience other you know, how did he become um clear to him, how did it become clear to him that you're saved by just that you're justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, apart from works? Is this passage of Romans chapter one, and this is what this this term, the righteousness of God, just kind of rolling his head, and and he was reading in terms of my righteousness towards God, as opposed to God's righteousness for him in Christ Jesus, who died on the cross for him. Okay, and so this is hugely important. And so how you read, I remember I took, in, in college, I took this class called The Life of Paul, okay, as, a, as an undergraduate, so, so, it, it wasn't, so it wasn't at seminary level, but, but um, oh, fool, no, no, I wouldn't call myself foolish, but, but I was a semi-serious student, okay? So the summer before, I buy the textbook for this, I'm reading all the way through this textbook in anticipation of the course during my summer break, right? Except in this guy named Herman Rudibus, wasn't a Lutheran. And, and I get to, and all of a sudden he gets to Romans chapter 7. He says, Well, this is obviously, you know, um, the, the chapters are misnumbered because Romans 7 belongs before Romans 3. See, because in Romans 7 this is the chapter that says, The good I want to do, I don't do, and the evil I don't want to do. That's what, I, that's what I do, right? And be and, and this is a reformed person who obviously thinks that, that once you become a Christian, you can live the victorious life. And so he says, this is obviously, you know, this is Paul, you know, the chapters are in the wrong order. And I said, no, no. You know, we know of no, there's no Greek manuscript or chapter seven is before chapter three. Every Greek manuscript we have of Romans, Romans one through sixteen. Romans three is where now we talk about justification, right? And four, you know, by Abraham also is faith alone. Five, we have peace with God, through Jesus Christ, baptism in chapter six. So, so, no, 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 no. So how do you make sense of it? Is that this is a hugely important chapter to understand that we're both saint and sinner. And the victory is only in Jesus. It's not to be a downer chapter, but rather to point us to Jesus Christ, because it ends in this note of triumph. I think it's verses 24 and 25, Romans chapter seven. And and then you get into this, Romans chapter eight, there's now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Jesus. is wonderful, you know boom passage of Romans chapter eight verse one. Um, and you continue on. Romans nine through eleven can be difficult because they deal with this issue of and Paul is terribly distressed that his own people have rejected Christ, but he maintains Christ alone, and that the salvation of the Jews are in Christ alone. But also this is for God's purpose that others might be grafted in, and that's you and me. So this marvelous passage of Romans 9 nine through 11, then you get 12 through, through the end of the chapter. Romans is difficult also because it appears to have two endings, both at 15 and at 16. Okay, um, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. I, I would strongly maintain that the, the most applicable book in all the Bible for a current suburban American situation is 1st Corinthians. The nature of the Corinthian church, um, um, a port city, relatively affluent. It was, um, uh, it was also a Roman colony, uh, very small uh, Christian congregation, a uh, lots of sexual temptations. They would have had, uh, um, the, the Roman world, you would have had very open pornography. We, we know this from when we excavated Pompeii, you see all these pornographic drawings and all the buildings and everything like this, you know, so you would have had, um, at, at being a port city, probably would have had a lot of, uh, um, Uh, sexual morality and prostitution, the cultic prostitution of, uh, uh, we we believe, is one of the temples there. And so Corinth was very difficult. You know, how do you live as a Christian when you got meat sacrificed to idols? And pretty much every piece of meat that you ever see in the marketplace has been somehow associated with idols. You have the issue of, uh, of, of the church being divided because people are using their own wisdom and looking to their own wisdom. And so this huge, huge book right, right there, the church service are chaos, the, the rich members don't care about the poor. And so it's a wonderful book for, for us. And then 2 Corinthians, problems do not abate, especially, in, now 2 Corinthians is a very interesting book because to an extent you can make a case that Paul is is building up towards encouraging them to give their offerings for the church in Jerusalem who are starving, okay, at the center of the book. But it's also the issue of, got these, these, um, super preachers you know maybe akin to television preachers now who are very dynamic is there this and paul's not gonna be dynamic he's not gonna be dynamic um and then he he even goes into that he's even had you know taken up to the seventh heaven um but but he's been humbled by the lord you have this wonderful passage at in second corinthians 12 where where paul um prays three times to jesus deliver this thorn in my flesh from me and jesus directly tells him no because now my grace is sufficient for you. And so, so God's answer to our prayer is going to be yes, no, or wait. And so in this case, it was no, but it was for Paul's good and for Christ's glory. And so God's answer to prayer will always be for our good and the glory of Christ. Okay, so Galatians, this whole huge issue of justification by faith alone, but also unity we have in Christ Jesus, ends in this wonderful passage of, of, of in Galatians chapter 6. Um, where we, we um, are to bear our ch- each other's burdens. But you have this marvelous thing in, in chapter 4 that, that, um, that at the right time, you know, um, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might have the full rights as sons. And then, of course, at the end of chapter 3, that, that in your baptism, you are now the true children of Abraham. And so, yes, we can sing that song. We've got Sarah Fremendick here in Sunday school. Do Our children know, Father Abraham had many sons. You know, many sons had Father Abraham. How many of you know this one? And I'm one of them, so are you, right? So it's biblically true. You know, and so, so teach these children that this is a wonderful, wonderful. You are a son of Abraham in your baptism. <clears throat> so what that means is that every single passage of the Old Testament to God's people is also a passage for you. This is not just those people who died, but also those people, my ancestors, in my baptism. Okay, Ephesians is this wonderful book. There's so many things about Ephesians, especially the the, the grace alone through faith alone of chapter chapter 2. The unity of Jew and Gentile at the end of chapter 2. You know, Philippians... Um, so, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. And, and so much in, in that book also. Colossians um, parallels Ephesians. Again, you have this wonderful baptism passage of Colossians chapter 2. And then, and then that in baptism, you're, you're connected to Christ's death and resurrection. Then chapter 3, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts and things above. Live out your baptism, folks. Okay. 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, very early epistles, and, and you see this wonderful passage, for example, in 1st Thessalonians chapter 4, that that I want you to know, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And so, so we have this semi-false conception of a theology of glory, that if I'm saved, I should be always rejoicing in Jesus, i.e. happy face, Christian, right? And... Um, but the truth of the matter is, is we do grieve. We grieve at loved ones. It's a passage I, I repeat over and over again to almost every family when they've lost a loved one. You may That you do not grieve as others who have no hope. Our grief is not one of, that has no hope, no surety in Christ Jesus, but our grief is true. We miss our loved one, but our hope is in Jesus. And so then this, uh, you have this uh, second coming of Christ theme in first and second Thessalonians, also very prominent. Um, you have 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, these letters to this young pastor, um, and then Titus, another pastor, who's dealing with the difficulties of the church to Crete, and it's a hard difficulty, uh, his letter to Philemon, and to basically release your, your slave, Enesimus. He's useful to me. Um, already talked about pastoral epistles, I mean, the, and the captivity letters. Okay, take my breath. Here's some themes that you see in Paul's letters. Um, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You know, as Lutherans, we love, we love um, Pauline epistles. I don't know if it's true or not, but but uh, maybe I heard one time that there's more Missouri Synod churches called St. Paul's Lutheran than any other type. You know, there's a lot of St. Pauls. Anyone here ever remember St. Paul's Lutheran somewhere at point in time in your life? So, there's, okay, okay, there's a lot of St. Pauls. You know, there's a good good number. Of course, of course, St. John's. There's a lot of St. John's too. And if you look at Luther, Luther commends especially the Pauline Epistles and the Gospel of John. And so there's a lot of Trinity Lutherans. I grew up in Trinity Lutheran and served at Trinity Lutheran also. Not as many Bethany Lutherans, are there? And then I, my field word church in St. Louis was Gethsemane Lutheran. You don't see that too often, Gethsemane Lutheran, but that's where I field worked at. So, okay, Paul's authority as apostle. Um, Paul, when he writes, okay, it's very important to distinguish. Generally speaking, when Paul writes God he's referring to the Father, and when he writes Lord, he's referring to Jesus Christ, okay? And so there's careful distinction of the persons of the Trinity. And when he goes outside those bounds, ears pick up, okay? Uh, and the same same true in the rest of the New Testament. There's this rich Christology where he talks about the two natures of Christ, um, and, Christ humili- and we call it, the, for example, the two states of Christ, his state of exaltation, his state of humiliation, actually, state of humiliation, state of exaltation, um, and just marvelous Christology, uh, the prominence of baptism in the Apostle Paul, and so baptism does not is not just individual passages about baptism, but the gifts of God in baptism. Since it's by grace alone, baptism is grace alone because that baby doesn't do anything; it's God doing the work, right? So baptism just just it permeates Paul's letters. Okay, the church is the body of Christ. hugely important hugely important uh, Paul, as a pastoral concern for these members of all these congregations, uh, personal, Paul's personal humility and gratitude for their kindness to him, and also to his gratitude to his position as an apostle, and grace ends each each letter. Um, okay, I would you know it's, it's a whole other class. I, I, I uh, many years ago I offered a class where where we just went into to the theology of, and, and what was going on the introduction to Paul's letters and the conclusions. They're just fascinating stuff. So these aren't throwaway portions. You know, there's rich theology in both the, the greetings and the conclusions of, of these letters. But then the bodies are it's just so wonderful. Okay, so pastors, uh, able, yes, question, go ahead. I think that's, that's an excellent point, especially the, the emphasis on prayer. You see, Paul's constantly thinking about prayer, and this is to permeate the life of the Christian because we're always in the presence of Jesus as well as the Father and the Spirit. So why not talk to that person that you're always in the presence of, right? I see, the, I see you know, like these kids right here when they're playing their basketball or everything like this. They, they at least pay attention to each other, at least to ask the other for the ball, right? You know. So, um, but or, or children, you know, I see children in the day of school; they're walking back and forth, and I know they're friends, but they always got to be talking to each other in the hallways. You know, that's it's constant. So, if if we're always in the presence of our Lord, talk, right? Bring bring your concerns and your petitions to Him in in prayer. Okay. Um, any other questions or comments about Pauline epistles? So uh, next week we're going to just kind of. Uh, my last week of, of teaching, we're going to t- cover um, Hebrews through Revelation, and I'll, I'll, I will spend a little bit of time to help you uh, approach the Book of Revelation from a rather simple manner. Um, I am not an expert in Revelation. I don't. Well, there's others who are much better than I am, but um, but it's it's a tough book. But but other books are are good. I will make here's your homework assignment many, 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 many years ago. Um, it's in a devotional booklet, and the author suggested that, 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 that whoever's reading this devotion that you read the book of 1 Peter, all the whole book through every day for a month and see if it doesn't make a difference in your life. Why don't you do that for a week? I mean, 1 Peter, and of course Luther commends the epistle of 1 Peter highly also. So it's a, it's a wonderful epistle. It's a wonderful epistle. And so 1 Peter um, is a you can read the book of Hebrews too and, and or the book of Revelation. You can do it, you know, just read the Bible, read God's Word, obviously. But try reading that book of 1 Peter this week and see. It does, it's just a just marvelous book of the Bible, often forgotten. Often it's because it's not a Pauline epistle. We as Lutherans, and 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 quite well, we say the importance of Paul's epistles. This is true. But we shouldn't neglect neglect the other epistles of of the of the New Testament. Okay. God bless you. The Lord Jesus is 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 king. God bless you.